the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I don't want to exist. I want to live. I don't want to just make do and get along. I want to have every day of my life the sense that God is with me, the abundant life. Christ came to give us the abundant life. That is Pastor Michael Oxentenko, and this is Reaching Your Heart. Here at Reaching Your Heart, we believe that God answers prayer. If you need prayer, you can call at any time, 24-7, 888-244-HOPE. That's 888-244-4673. Someone is standing by right now to take your phone call. We have a very special fundraising event and thank you dinner coming up this Sunday. And I'll have details on how you can attend. It will be in the Washington, D.C. area. So if you are here, we would love to have you there. So listen up and we'll have details as the program progresses. Here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko with his message today entitled, When Morning Matters. We'll bring you the first portion of this broadcast today. Again, When Morning Matters. And here now is Pastor Michael Oxentenko. Dear Father God, as we bow our heads here today, I am grateful today for a cross and an empty tomb. And I'm grateful that grace found a way to save this pastor who stands at the desk and found a way to save every sinner too, just like him. And Lord, I'm grateful also that love has a way of making the light shine in the darkness so we can know the way. So give us Jesus, and give us Jesus for others, not just ourselves. In his name, amen. The Nobel laureate poet Robert Frost had a sense of his own mortality when he wrote a poem called, Nothing Gold Can Stay. Nature's first green is gold, her hardest hue to hold, her brightest leaf a flower, but only so an hour. Then leaf subsides to leaf, So Eden sank to grief, so dawn goes down to day, nothing gold can stay. Dear heart, the day starts with the golden promise of the dawn, and it surrenders in every person's life to the cold chill of the night. That is the law of life and death. It is universal. It is a pathway we're all on. It happens to us. Spring fades and winter wins because the morning surrenders to the night and spring turns to winter in time. Yes, time. As it ticks, 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 it leads us to the time when winter wins. Dear heart, if all there is to life, and I ask you this question pointedly, if all there is to life is an existence that ends in night and winter, if cessation is the end of life, then in the end, does life really matter? If all your best efforts die with you and they are then forgotten by the winds of change, and change happens, sure enough, the hurricane that hits us all, that blows as time blows through our lives, then in the end, none of them really make a difference. Our experiences are rendered meaningless. Friend, if your love is fervent and your affection is strong and the glory days of youth, they linger but then they fade because the gray hairs take over and all your dreams come to an end in death, Does it matter in the end? 
If the best life here makes a difference only for a time, and then time itself is forgotten, and the facts fade because others move on in time, and what you have done, and what you have stood for, and what you have built just doesn't seem to be remembered, does what you did matter in the end? Now, friend, Jesus said, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. He said that we should work before the night comes when no man can work. And when he said that, he meant that death comes to every man. So work while it is light. Friend, the day surrenders to the night of death. It is the law of death that governs life in this world. And night wins in the end unless the morning matters to God. Unless the morning lingers on and on and on, the night wins. Friend, if all there is to knowing God is a day that ends in the darkness of the night that faces us all, then in the end, your time with God really doesn't matter either. Did you hear what I said? Because if your relationship with God ends in darkness, it is as if it had never happened. So if life moves forward only to meet a setting sun, then life itself is nothing but a temporary light doomed to flicker out and surrender to the darkness of the cold night of space and eternity. And space and eternity is cold unless there is a morning that matters. For this reason, Jesus came into our dark night as the light of the world. Christ came to bring the morning back to us. He came to bring the power of the dawn. He came to banish darkness and declare an age of light in which the sun never sets. He claimed by the authority of God to end the old era of evil and to give us the light of the light that shines in the face of God in His face. John 10 verse 10, we have the bold declaration in the Gospel of John of why Jesus came to this earth. He said, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. That is the devil. And then he says, I have come that they might have life and have it abundantly. Now, I don't know about you. I don't want to exist. I want to live. Are you with me? I don't want to exist. I want to live. I don't want to just make do and get along. I want to have every day of my life the sense that God is with me, the abundant life. Christ came to give us the abundant life. Have you ever been poor? Should have been some honesty out there, okay? I've been poor too. If you have the abundant life and you have no dollars in your pocket, but you have Jesus in your life, you have purpose in your existence, are you poor? You're rich. Christ came to bring us the abundant life. John 1 4 and 5 In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, for us to have the abundant life, for us to have the new dawn, we must have Jesus because the morning matters. The dawn comes because Jesus comes. John 1, 9, the true light that enlightens every man was coming into the world. You know, Christ hasn't picked and choose who he can share the light with. He has chosen by divine grace to pour light on all of us. You know, when I'm in a church, I like it lit up. No, it's okay. But I like it lit up because the light represents the light of the Son of God. We're going to put more lights up here. We're going to add lights in the future. We have just the beginning of our lighting system up here. But I like light. I like daylight. I like the presence of God because light speaks of truth. So what does the dawn mean? Context tells us why the morning matters. Look at verse 10 of John 1. He was in the world. The world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. 
He came to his own home and his own people received him not. Now some people say, well, Pastor Mike, why can't we be more relevant at times? You know, there's a place for being relevant and there's a place for being worldly. As soon as you move toward worldliness, you're no longer in God's kingdom kind of thing. The world system, as it was set up after the Tower of Babel, did not know the Son of God who made the world. You know, we are meant to be light in the world, to reach a world that must learn to love God. And so the power of God's word must permeate a world that does not know God. But look what it says in verse 11. Here's the tragedy. It's possible to be the people of God and yet not know God. It's possible to be those who've been given the word of God and yet be ignorant of it. And so it says in verse 11, he came to his own home. He came to the Jewish people. He came to those who were invested with divine truth. He had guided them for centuries as the guardian protector of the Jewish nation. He He came to his own home. And then it says, and his own people received him not. Great tragedy. Out of that rejection, which led to the cross, to Christ's rejection, he was crucified outside the gate. Look at verse 12. But to all who received him, that's the Christian church. The Christian church, those who have faith, who believed in his name. Here it is. He gave power in the Greek language. He gave authority or the right to become the children of God who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You know, to be born of God, to have God, to be His, is to experience the light of the dawn. When the true light came into this world, we were given the real and meaningful opportunity to become children of light. In John eight twelve, Jesus put it plainly for our eyes to see and our ears to hear. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, what does the text say? How does it start? Does it say, I was, I will be? I am. The name of God itself. I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have what? The light of life. Dear heart, Christ is the new dawn of the coming age of the Holy Spirit that has bound the old age of darkness and fear into chains, has pierced the tomb with the light of a new life that will never, ever end if you have been found microchipped to Jesus. Have you ever microchipped your pet? Anyone have lost a pet and got it back because it was microchipped? No? Well, we microchipped Smokey because he'd run away every day almost when we first got him. Do you realize when we have faith in Jesus Christ, we've been microchipped to God? If we are lost, we'll be found. No matter what happens to you, you will be gathered on the resurrection morning. In Jesus, the gold of the morning matters and the gold of God's glory stays. Information system thinkers and cosmological physicists have asked the profound question that deserves consideration. Does the universe exist if there is no consciousness in it? Does mind make reality exist in some way? Do eyes that look back in time or look back through the light cone of space itself make the past occur to some degree? And there is some evidence in quantum mechanics, in fact, compelling evidence, to suggest that every person's consciousness contributes to the reality around them and to a small degree the reality that is the past. We contribute to the reality of the universe by being here. Think of the universe and eternity as a dark night, as a dark night of matter, time, and space, unless there is life, unless there is self-awareness, unless there is consciousness that breaks through the darkness. And imagine that consciousness is living and loving and kind and has character to it. Without consciousness, there is no reality. So for the universe to have meaning, there must be lights of consciousness in the universe, or the universe is really dark. And you know, when I came to understand this, 
from some of the recent discoveries in physics, Daniel 12, 3 began to make a lot more sense to me. Turn with me to Daniel 12, verse 1. Let's read down. While you're looking up that scripture, I have a very special announcement for you. We'll be back with Pastor Mike in just a moment. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area this Sunday at 5 p.m., July the 21st, please join us at the Reaching Hearts Church, 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, for our annual radio fundraising event. We want to thank all of our donors with a special dinner and concert featuring vocalist Carla Rivera, pastor, author, and global evangelist Mark Finley, Pastor Michael Oxentanko, and more. RSVP right now at reachinghearts.org slash radio dinner, reachinghearts.org slash radio dinner. I'll have more details at the close of our broadcast today, so please stay tuned. Let's get back to more with Pastor Michael Oxentanko as he picks up with Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Here it speaks of the end of time when Michael stands up and the great intervention, the second coming of Christ. And it says, at that time shall arise Michael, the great prince who has charge of your people. And then it says, there shall be a time of trouble such as never been since there was a nation till that time. But at that time, your people, how does it read? Shall be delivered. Not might be delivered. They will be delivered. And then it goes on to say everyone. That means God counts his own. He knows who his people are. If you are in trouble at the time of the end and you belong to God, you will be delivered and you will not be excluded from that deliverance. Everyone whose name shall be found written in the book. Verse 2, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake. I can't wait to see that day, to see my mother come alive, to see those that I know who love the Lord come alive, and to find others there too. It says, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now we know there will be a special resurrection preceding the coming of Christ when those who pierced him, those who have been the most active in evil throughout the centuries will be raised to see what they did to the Son of God. But the general resurrection of the wicked is at the end of the millennium. Look at verse 3. And those who are wise shall shine like the what? How does it read in your Bible? Like the? The brightness of the firmament. And those who turn me into righteousness like the? Stars forever and ever. We are destined to be stars. You see, consciousness fills the darkness of space and time. Unless God's people are alive, the place is dark. He's going to fill the universe with lights of consciousness of people who love Him. The lives of saints will shine forever and ever and ever and ever. I mean, it makes me tingle to think about what God has in store for us. The age of light is coming. Friend, the universe is dark unless there's this kind of life in it. Stephen Hawking gave serious thought to unifying quantum mechanics and Einstein's theories of general and special relativity into what he called a unified field theory. No one's got there yet. Before he died, he posited the math and the idea that the universe created itself. How many of you have been following Stephen Hawking's stuff? I mean, somehow the universe just made itself. That if you go back to the Big Bang singularity, it's not really a singularity. It's a curved zone with no boundaries. And somehow the quantum interactions of nothing can make something. So we don't need God anymore. That's what he did. He came up with the help of Roger Penrose and a few others. He was also interviewed by Guardian magazine before he died. And he had this to say about the future afterlife. Dr. Hawking, for many years, was more than a scientist. In fact, he moved from being a scientist when he wrote that very popular book that just, you know, went to the top of the bestseller list. He became, in time, a high priest for the religion of atheism and unbelief. He said this in that interview. He said, I have lived with the prospect of an early death for the last 49 years. 
I'm not afraid of death, but I'm in no hurry to die, and I have so much I want to do first. To me, that means he really was afraid to die because he saw his limitation in life. So he wasn't, I think, altogether open there. He said this, I regard the brain as a computer which will stop working when its components fail. There is no heaven or afterlife for broken down computers. That is a fairy story for people afraid of the dark. We mourn his death whether he is a Christian or not, do we not? Because the love of God reaches beyond those who have faith. He has met the night and it is dark. In this world, nothing gold can stay. You can be a golden thinker. You can be the brightest of your generation. And those thoughts can fade. You can die. And it won't take long before Stephen Hawking and all those like him are forgotten in a real sense. Others like Dr. Richard Dawkins have called the virgin birth and the resurrection of Jesus a fairy tale also. I mean, it's the popular skeptical language. Oh, that's fairy tale talk. And we shouldn't teach our children fairy tales. Even though the skeptic will teach their children fairy tales. But when Christianity is considered a fairy tale, they will fight against it. So it's a religious oppression that's really in play there. Dear heart, Jesus is not a fairy tale. The prophecies of the Old Testament point to his coming as the light of the world because the morning matters to God. Balaam, that wicked prophet, saw the Messiah's day as a shining star in the night. Take your Bibles, turn to Numbers 24, verse 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not nigh. A star shall come forth out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. Now its primary fulfillment was King David, but David was a type of another star, of the bright and morning star who would dawn and crush all the enemies of God. Hundreds of years before Jesus came to this earth, the prophet Isaiah predicted the place of Jesus' ministry in the land of Galilee. There the light would dawn because the morning matters to God. Isaiah 9 verse 1. Nevertheless, there will be no gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles by the way of the sea along the Jordan. And then verse 2. The people walking where? In darkness have seen what kind of light? A great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Friend, Christ is the light of a new day because Christ is the bright and morning star. Because of Jesus, the morning matters for us too. Look at Revelation twenty-two sixteen. 16. It's funny, you get to the end of the Bible and Jesus is identified. Christ says, I, Jesus. He could have said just I. He says, I, Jesus. You know, I'm Jesus. Have sent my angel to you with this testimony for the churches. You know, in the early Adventist church, we received a lot of testimonies, didn't we? You ever hear the nine-volume set called the Testimonies for the Church? Do you realize that Jesus sent every one of those testimonies to us through His prophet? Every one of them was sent by Jesus to us. Just like He sent a testimony through John to the early apostolic church and for the world at the end of time. We have been given a special guidance in our church to lead us to Jesus. And sometimes those testimonies were rebukes, sometimes they were admonitions, sometimes they were encouragement. But to have the testimony of Jesus, the morning star is the light that precedes the dawn. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to whom? To you. You ever had an angel come to you? 
I have. I'll tell you the story one of these days, but I have. In one time in my life, I had an angel come to me. I know of others who have. But you know what? What do they do for the churches? I am the what? The root? What does it say? Offspring of David. And then here's the key phrase. What is Jesus? The bright morning star. Christ is the light of the world. He is the dawn of the morning that matters. The morning star is the light that precedes the dawn of day and the glory of the sun. It is the light in the night before the light comes from the first ray of the sun. The morning star, friend, is the prophetic light of promise that points to the golden morning. And the morning star heralds its coming because it comes first. Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus is. Now, Lucifer in Isaiah 14, 12 was Hillel ben Shachar in Hebrew, which means the shiny one, the son of the dawn. Now, compare it here. Lucifer was created light. He was derived light. He came after the dawn. He's the son of the dawn. But before there was a dawn, before there was a Lucifer, before there was a light bearer, and that's what Lucifer means, there was one who was the bright and morning star before time itself, before time space, as Einstein called it, came into existence before the dawn of everything. There was Jesus Christ, the bright and morning star. In Hebrews 1-2, the Bible says that he created the eons, He created time itself, the fabric of the beginning. You know, you can only create the fabric of time and space itself if you are the bright and morning star that precedes time and space before the dawn. The book of Jude in Jude 25 says that Christ existed with the Father before all time. Now, how do you go far enough back to be before all time? So before there was a was, before there was a point to call time, Christ is the bright and morning star. That's why it's silly to speak of him as a created being. He is not. He moves outside of the framework of what it means to be created. And what does this mean for us? It means that a created being could not save us because a created being did not make us and a created being is not bright enough to show us the way back to God. Now think about it. From the very heart of all that is God within the Holy Trinity, Christ came as God from the very bosom of the Father, John says, At the center of all that is God, as the light, you know, God is light. At the center of that light that is God. And God is love. At the center of that love that is God. John says that Christ preceded from the bosom of the Father. So the heart of God's goodness is Jesus. And he proceeded to save us. The light matters to God. Christ's resurrection from the dead on Sunday morning is prophetic as the true dawn of the kingdom age when the morning matters for all time. I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to Psalms 110. We're going to be focusing in on that chapter this morning. Psalms 110 verse 1 is the most quoted verse in the New Testament because it affirms that the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the grave happened and it shows that the exalted Christ became a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. So two ideas are found in it. He's resurrected and he's exalted. And it's really a fulfillment of the very first promise made in the Bible in Genesis 3.15. How many of you are familiar with that very first promise in Genesis 3.15? Some of you are not. Let's go back and look at it. Genesis 3.15. Now here is God, Christ most likely speaking as God. In Genesis 3, verse 15. I will put enmity. Now, you know, the serpent has just messed them up. They've just sinned. They've just fallen away from God. They have tasted the forbidden fruit. And now they're getting ready to leave the garden. And the promise is made that a Savior will come. This is the promise. 
Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity, God says, between you and the woman. Now the you is the serpent. Between your seed, the serpent's seed, and her seed. In other words, the serpent would have people who would follow him. The woman would have people who would follow him as well. But in the Greek Old Testament, your seed here is singular. It's not plural. So the enmity is between the many that hate God and this one being that would stand against them, the holy seed who is one, who would somehow be the force that would oppose evil. And then it's indicated in the Hebrew text that would agree here. It says, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So the seed is one, not many. The seed of the woman is one, not many. His heel would be broken. It would be bruised. Why? Because somehow in crushing the head of the serpent, his foot would be damaged. Now, Psalms 110 verse 1, which points to the Messiah, restates this proto-gospel promise given in Eden right here in Psalms 110 verse 1. Let's read it carefully. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make thine enemies a footstool for thy feet. Now the Hebrew literally says this. The Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put thine enemies as a footstool for thy feet. Putting enmity, putting thine enemies as a footstool for thy feet So when the Messiah's foot crushes the serpent, we have the prophecy here. The promise in Genesis 3.15 has the same language. I will put enmity and he will crush the serpent's head with a wounded foot right on the head. We'll pick up there next time when we continue with When Morning Matters here on Reaching Your Heart. If you're in the Washington, D.C. area this Sunday at 5 p.m. July the 21st, please join us at the Reaching Hearts Church, 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, for our annual radio fundraising event. We want to thank all of our donors with a special dinner and concert featuring vocalist Carla Rivera. Our guest speaker is pastor, author, and global evangelist Mark Finley, who has held hundreds of evangelistic meetings in over 80 countries. You are sure to be inspired with his devotional message. If you're a regular listener to the broadcast and would like to meet Pastor Michael Oxentenko, join us this Sunday at 5 p.m. at 6100 Brooklyn Bridge Road, Laurel, Maryland, for the event. Please RSVP at reachinghearts.org slash radio dinner. That's reachinghearts.org slash radio dinner. Once again, reachinghearts.org slash radio dinner. And thanks for listening to Reaching Your Heart. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.